Welcome to Sauce Talk. This is Billy Hansen, and for the first episode, I'm going to talk about what this podcast is going to be about and why I decided to start it. So, first, a little bit about my athletic background. Back in 2012, after a successful high school career, I accepted a full basketball scholarship to Regis University in Denver, Colorado. I had high hopes when I left for Regis that I'd play well and go on to play professionally overseas. But I quickly realized that life at Regis would be more challenging than I anticipated. The players were bigger, faster, stronger than I'd played against in Southern Oregon. And it sort of felt like I was thrown into the deep end of the pool and I didn't really know how to swim. Um, My freshman year was a disappointment. By the end of the year, I had fallen mostly out of the playing rotation. And this led me to put immense pressure on myself in preparation for my sophomore year to try to get my basketball career back on track. Um, So as my sophomore year began to unfold and I wasn't playing much better, this pressure, this self-pressure compounded and got worse. And I started making frantic attempts to get out of my slump. In hindsight, I was doing some pretty crazy things to try to manufacture confidence. Um, Like I remember... For a while, I was uh, I was waking up, and upon waking up, I'd listen to that stupid fucking cliche video of that guy going like, "You gotta want to succeed more than you want to breathe," and I would uh, listen to that and try to, you know, hype get myself hyped up, um, and it might it may have worked for thirty seconds, but once I got to the gym, the feelings of self doubt and inadequacy would come back. And really, this was all just overcompensation for not feeling good enough to play at that level. So all this pressure that I was putting on myself ended up resulting in performance anxiety on the court. And so I'd walk onto the court and my hands, chest, and face would feel flushed and tight. And I'd pick up the ball and it'd just feel wrong in my hands. Um, And so as the anxiety increased, uh, my performance on the court diminished which further increased my anxiety, and I ended up spiraling into what became something of a mental collapse in the middle of my sophomore season. And other players have gone through this that I've read about. Um, It's analogous to having the yips, where things that I used to be able to do easily as a sixth grader, like shooting free throws or just dribbling the ball up the court, all of a sudden seems challenging uh, when I was a 19-year-old sophomore in college. So I projected my own disappointment and pity onto my coaches and my friends and teammates. And this struggle that I was going through as a sophomore naturally bled into other areas of my life. Um, I just sort of stopped taking care of myself. I was staying up way too late, eating junk food. I was binge drinking on the weekends. And this was in in a process of bouncing back and forth between different philosophies towards my problems. I'd make frantic attempts to improve. I'd been told that seeing the ball go through the net generated confidence, which in general is true. But for me, all of the shots I put up alone at 1030 at night in the gym in heroic attempts to get out of my slump didn't translate at all to when I'd step onto the court and feel overly anxious. And then at other times, I would try not to care about basketball anymore. And those would give at those moments I'd get brief flashes of relief, but ultimately that just made it harder for me to 
justify blaming other people for my problems. And it only took me deeper into the spiral. So I actually want to read something I wrote about what a typical day was like in my sophomore season, um, because I think it captures it pretty well. So this is me writing. When I awakened from another restless sleep and reached to touch the home button on my phone, the screen flashed 4.12 a.m. Pressure rose in my chest. What I wanted to do was roll over and go back to sleep, but in 18 minutes my temporary escape would end. I had to be at the gym by 5 at the latest to allow enough time to have my ankles taped and then warm up for a 5.45 practice. So I lay there, flat on my back, for 18 more minutes. When the alarm finally buzzed, I stumbled out of bed, inserted my contacts, and dressed in the warmest, dirty clothes I could find from the pile on my floor. Upstairs, I found my roommate lifelessly stirring a Chobani yogurt. We communicated our shared misery by doing nothing to acknowledge one another. Before we left the house, I grabbed a protein bar. Dressed much like Eskimos, we speed walked in silence across campus towards the gym. Condensation formed around my face as I breathed heavily through my mouth into my jacket's collar. The gray, bare branches of the cottonwood trees that had looked so gorgeous on my first visit to campus now appeared as sinister, dimly lit shadows. My mind was occupied with thoughts of what I wished was different. I longed for comfort and ease, lazy Sunday mornings with mom's egg burritos and Seinfeld reruns, but then, back in reality, I counted the months left in the basketball season. I found myself envying teammates who were lucky enough to be injured and could miss practice. Why couldn't I catch some luck and sprain an ankle? My mood grew darker yet when I remembered that I was unprepared for my chemistry test at 10. Instead of napping after practice, I'd have to do my best to cram for an exam. I felt certain that I'd have another bad practice and wondered what I'd do if the worst case scenario materialized. Would I miss another layup in the weave drill, airball another shot in our scrimmage? Could I make it through the practice without revealing my overwhelming fear? Entering the gym, I wondered what I'd end up doing if Coach took my scholarship away during the offseason. Then I was distracted by, Morning Bill, along with a friendly smile for my friend and teammate Jarrett. Even though I'd seen his morning smiles for months, I was surprised to see that a teammate could be so cheerful. What's up, man, was the only reply I could think of. With my feet extended past the end of a bench, our athletic trainer taped my ankles with the same repetitious monotony that I experienced when I brushed my teeth. He seemed no happier than I was to be at the gym at 5 in the morning, but the firm security of taped ankles was a subtle joy in the midst of my anxiety. Based on how my teammates and I dressed down and tied our shoelaces in silence, an outside observer in the locker room would have had no problem estimating our team's record. Out on the court, some of my teammates were shooting around. I grabbed a ball off the rack and, my hands feeling stiff and awkward, dribbled towards the hoop. After looking up at the balcony at Coach's office to make sure that he wasn't watching, I took a breath and held it. A few feet from the basket, I tossed up a shot that ricocheted off the rim and bounced away. I was thankful to have at least hit the rim. I had time to practice a few mid-range shots before Coach arrived. The sight of him induced a mild state of panic, and my preoccupation became surviving practice without exposing myself as the inferior player I'd somehow become. Day after day, this was my mindset through my sophomore season. Two years earlier, things had been very different. In high school, I'd led the state in scoring and broken multiple records and made 10 three-pointers in a single game. Now, though, I couldn't imagine ever playing that way again. The best I could hope for was to hide my feelings from my coach, my family, and my friends, and somehow manage to survive my college basketball career. So hopefully that just gives 
that paints a picture of what each day was like as a sophomore. And honestly, looking back, I feel guilty for having been so miserable in those circumstances because obviously, you know, I was in a form of a heaven, healthy, on a full scholarship to play basketball with my friends. And the whole experience feels kind of like it has the character of a nightmare that when you wake up from it and talk about it later, it feels like it should be trivial or even funny. But at the time when you're going through it, it's all too real and traumatic. And so I, you know, as I said before, I rotated between binge drinking and trying to make heroic attempts to get out of my slump. And finally, and thankfully, I went and saw the sports psychologist on campus. And until I had gone to visit her, my mental struggles had been my own secret. And laying out the details of what I was going through for the first time um, really forced me to contend with the seriousness of my problem. And after a couple sessions, she diagnosed me with both paralyzing performance anxiety and depression. And although I knew that she was right when she said it, I, it still kind of stung me because I'd always thought of myself as being a happy person. Um, and I realized that I had work to do if I was going to get myself back on track. So thankfully, um, this particular therapist was passionate about meditation and mindfulness. And um, she was also a very skilled teacher. So each time I went and saw her, the last 10 minutes of our session, she would lead me through a guided meditation. She'd have me envision something that made me anxious, like my coach watching me shoot free throws. And I'd try to conjure up feelings of anxiety while sitting there and listening to her on the couch in the office. And surprisingly, this worked. As I thought about it, the feelings in my chest, face, and hands would arise. And then she'd ask me to pay attention to those sensations rather than trying to push them away. And so while this was definitely not an overnight fix, I slowly started to make progress with my mind, and I was practicing meditation both with her and on my own for at least 10 minutes per day. I continued to practice in the off-season, and my priorities shifted before my junior year. And every year up until that point that I could remember, ever since I was five years old or so, my goal had been to dominate and be the best player and to you know, have great personal and team success. This year, all I wanted to do was not be miserable day in and day out at practice. And... An outside observer would have, um, if they viewed both my sophomore and my junior season, <clears throat> they wouldn't have been able to tell which one was better. As a junior, I continued to struggle. I was bouncing in, out of the, in and out of the lineup, and I would, as a team, we were getting our ass kicked. But the crucial difference was that I wasn't miserable anymore. And so this was the first indication of how powerful mental training can be because almost all of the external variables stayed the same, but my mind was different. I was more resilient, less self-concerned, um, more present, and more willing to accept the ups and downs of playing basketball. And in my junior year, it was mostly downs again. So I had made modest but important progress as a junior. And then after my junior season, my head coach retired, and Brady Bergeson was hired for my senior year. And he brought with him a brand new staff, a brand new culture, and a chance to start fresh. And I, benefiting from this new opportunity, um, I, f I slowly started to gain confidence. Brady explicitly valued toughness and work ethic and consistency. And these were things that I knew I could control, unlike my ability to knock down shots, which I still didn't have pure confidence in. 
So I immediately felt appreciated, and I made my first college start in my third game as a senior. And while it took some time to gain full confidence, I slowly started to get better and better. And by mid-season, something had flipped, and all of a sudden the debilitating self-doubt that I'd experienced in years prior seemed like a distant memory, almost as if it had happened to someone else. And so by mid-season, I was starting, and I was knocking down shots from all over the court. As a team, we were competitive again, playing in big games, fighting for a playoff spot, winning big games. People were starting to come to our games again. And beyond the success that we were having personally and collectively, I was really connecting with the beauty of sports in ways that I'd never thought possible. I repeatedly dropped into what are called flow states, which are those beautiful moments in sports when time seems to slow down, your sense of self seems to dampen or vanish, and only the game remains. And these are moments where you can play, you know, 11 minutes straight on the court and then get over, come over to the bench and think like, what the fuck just happened? It was just, you know, it's just this kind of flow of experience when you're playing your best and you're having the most fun and you're completely locked in. So as my senior season came to an end, I experienced nothing but pure gratitude to have fallen in love with sports again. And when my career ended, it struck me as kind of odd that it had taken until the very end of my playing career to really realize what was valuable about playing sports and that I had spent much of my athletic career only training my body, my endurance and my, my strength and my physical skills and neglecting to train my mind. So this led me to want to spread what I had learned to others. Um, after graduating, I was hired as the graduate assistant coach for the team I played for and I offered optional meditations to the players on the team. And um, I was surprised to see how many of the players were interested in my message and my teachings and what the, the things that they said about how my teachings helped them both play better and enjoy their sports more. And many of the players that I taught have adopted their own practice and some are still practicing after having graduated, which is really, really cool. Um, after, you know, in my second year as a coach, we won the first championship in school history and first RMAC championship in school history, which gave me direct insight into how a championship program operates. So I learned a lot about basketball and leadership and different dynamics through that experience. Then after finishing my master's, um, I've taken a job in data science, but I've stayed involved coaching uh, meditation to the Regis basketball team. And I'm also teaching meditation to Regis baseball leading guided meditations before their weekend games. And I've started a meditation for athletes meetup, which offers meditation and mindfulness in the context of athletics, in the context of athletics to um, any athlete who's interested in the greater Denver area. And the response to the meetup and the interested athletes that are coming has really been inspiring. So all of this has led me to want to start a podcast. And the things that I'm interested in this podcast is diving deeper into how an athlete can train his or her mind um, in an attempt to make the most of the brief window that an athlete has uh, to play their sport. I'm also interested in the practicalities of what make or break an athletic experience. Things like um, finding a good fit, um, a sustainable and productive attitude towards growth in both physical and mental skills. 
an athlete's relationship to drugs and partying, uh, sleep, diet, and anything else that could help optimize an athletic career. Uh, I'm interested in how coaches can best create an environment for athletes to flourish in this way. So what I want to do, oh, and I'm also interested in how parents should view their um, their children's careers and how fans should best appreciate the beauty of sports. So in an attempt to explore these questions, I want to interview people. I want to interview athletes and give them a long window to dive deeply into their own playing careers. And rather than asking them the typical questions that athletes get, which are about games or performances or how a season's going, I want to learn about their own personal journeys and what they thought added value to those journeys and what took value away. Um, I also want to interview coaches and hear what they have to say on these matters. And I've also developed a network of meditation teachers and practitioners. Since graduating, I've been periodically going on extended silent meditation retreats. And I'd love to talk to meditation experts um, and teachers and hear what they have to say about how meditation and mental training could improve an athlete's life or just a life in general. So this is going to be an experiment. I'm not totally sure in which direction the podcast is going to go, but um, I know that I'm going to have to learn a lot in order to make this as good as it can be. And you've probably heard the creaks coming from my desk on this episode, and it's just a goddamn disgrace for a podcaster to have a creaky desk. So I definitely need to fix that ASAP and definitely open to other feedback if you think something's not working or the audio needs to improve. Um, please reach out to me if you're listening. But if you want to be notified whenever a new episode comes out, you can subscribe via your favorite podcast player, or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Or you can subscribe to my website at billyhanson.net, and that might be the best method as you'll get emails whenever new content comes out, and that'll include information on my meetup events. So I'll be back soon with my first interview with yoga and meditation teacher Libby Edson, and thank you for listening. Uh, Until next time. (laughs) 